Good morning. Excellent to be here today. We get to talk about uh, two of my favorite things. Uh, we're in the series, Who We Are. You just saw the intro uh, video for that. And I'm excited about that. We had a 52-week series last year. And this is the second week of the Who We Are series, uh, where we get to t- take some time and, and um, learn about and talk about who we are as a church here in Stapleton. And we're um, doing that by walking through each week uh, for the next six weeks uh, one of our uh, core values each week. We've got six of them. And today we get to talk about one of my favorite core values, uh, doing life together. It's in the top six of my favorite core values. <laughs> All right, good. I'm glad, glad you're with me. Okay. I heard like I, I come off a little nervous until I crack my first joke, so thanks for helping me out with that. Um, doing life together is, is the way that we uh, live out our um, Christian fellowship. And uh, we find that uh, written in Scripture, and, uh, and it's something that uh, we're, we're created to um, worship God and, and fellowship with one another. And I don't think those two things are, are mutually exclusive. As a matter of fact, I think they work uh, together. And uh, God, when he sees us fellowshipping with each other, um, uh, is glorified through that. And, and it is a form of worship that, that brings joy to our Father. Um, so um, Jimmy just brought uh, Barry up. And, and I want to talk to talk to you a little bit about uh, about Barry. He's, he's a good friend of mine. And uh, I met him. He walked through the doors of this church about four years ago. And uh, the first, uh, God had, I think, um, uh, done some orchestrating in his life prior to him walking through the doors, softened his heart. He heard uh, the gospel message and and responded in faith in Jesus Christ that first Sunday that he was here. Praise God for that, right? That's amazing. And um, immediately engaged in his faith. Um, that, That Wednesday, that next Wednesday, he started attending uh, my community group on a regular basis, and and we actually ended up that wasn't enough. Uh, we couldn't get enough community group together, and so we formed another group of just uh, me and him, and did some uh, some walking through scripture and initial uh, steps of faith, and ended up uh, gathering a group of, of four four guys, and and some powerful things happened within that group. Now, Barry became a believer what four or five years ago, uh, engaged in his faith right away. And now he's going to be a full-time missionary in Estonia. That's, a, that's incredible. Four years? And he's, he's dedicating his whole entire life to uh, reaching the world for Jesus Christ. And uh, that's something that we're commissioned to do. That's something that the, uh, that the church, uh, it's actually the thing that the church uh, was created for uh, by Jesus. We're going to talk about that today. Uh, so we get to talk about the church and we get to talk about doing life together. The way that we're going to go about uh, uh, doing that today is uh, we're going to tell, I'm going to walk through one of my favorite stories uh, in Scripture. It's how the early church came into existence. Uh, And you're going to be, uh, we're going to be only in Acts chapters 1 and 2. And we're going to walk through the narrative of uh, of the story of how the church began and, and was born. And so if you have a Bible, or um, your digital reader, phone, 
Um, if you don't have Bible on your phone, version is free. I encourage you to do it. Um, we'll have the scriptures on the screen, but it's a much better experience for, for you and for everybody if you just follow along with me, especially the way I've kind of uh, laid out today's message. Um, so we're looking at the book of Acts. It's a historic uh, narrative. Uh, that's the genre of the writing of this, uh, this book, and it's a continuation of the Gospel of Luke, written by Luke, the author of the Gospel of Luke. And um, the story picks up uh, after Jesus' uh, ministry in the, in the Gospel of Luke and then his death and resurrection. And uh, we, we pick up the story in, in the first book of Acts of, of what happens next. And, and what happens next is uh, Jesus uh, gives some final instructions to uh, the apostles as to what their next steps are going to be after he um, ascends into heaven and he leaves this world uh, physically. So uh, Jesus, uh, after he, after he, he, he dies and, and is resurrected, he spends 40 days um, here on earth, uh, spend, some time with, spend that time with the apostles, uh, teaching them about the uh, things of the kingdom of God, and uh, gives them their, their next steps, their, their next instructions on, on what they need to be doing um, next. And that, that is to, um, uh, that's Jesus' commission uh, to the apostles to begin the church. And so um, they kind of have a back and forth. Uh, some of the instruction that Jesus gives uh, initially is, um, you guys are going to just stay in Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Okay, so... Uh, that's the first instruction. And then, then they ask, well, when are you coming back? And he's like, that's, that's not anything for you to concern yourself right now, but you're going to Acts 1.8. Um, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so um, he says that you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. We're going to talk about that in depth in just a minute as we're kind of walking through uh, the story uh, of, of how the church was born. And uh, the next thing is that Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses. Uh, these, are, these are the uh, 11 remaining guys that had spent three years uh, with Jesus witnessing his ministry, witnessing the miracles the teaching, spending life, doing life together with, uh, with Jesus. And so um, they were witnesses to his life in, in ministry, and therefore they were prepared to go out and be his witnesses and testify uh, to the world who he was and, and why he came. So uh, much like, you know, you're, you're, you would call somebody to the witness stand in a, in a courtroom uh, because they had, had been a part of and experienced something that, that they needed, that the people in the court needed to hear. Uh, so he's going to be, they're going to be his witnesses. And then he says where they're going to be the witnesses in Jerusalem. That's why Jesus said, "Go wait, go wait in Jerusalem, and I'm going to send my Holy Spirit." And then he says in all of Judea, uh, which means this is not just a uh, a message that's t- to be contained in one space, uh, and to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Uh, so that means he's taken it. Everywhere, right? He wants he wants these guys to take this message everywhere, uh, transcending all space and, and all time for for the 
for the rest of um, our time here on earth, including so much so that uh, we're sitting here today uh, in a country that didn't exist 2,000 years ago, and we're, we're gathering together and hearing uh, the message that the apostles had uh, um, been used to, to, wit- to witness and to testify to, uh, to the world. So um, this model that Jesus set forth was, was pretty, pretty effective, I would say, uh, and it continues to go forward to this day. Jesus also could have used, said any country, any region, anything that he wanted to, and he chose to say uh, Samaria. Uh, I, I see some significance in that because uh, the people of uh, Judea, the, the Jews of the day, and the Samaritans did not like each other. Um, and so I think Jesus was intentionally saying, this message is for everybody, whether you like them or not. It's your job to make sure that they receive this message. So, um, so they receive this instruction, um, and uh, Jesus ascends into heaven, and they're kind of gawking, like, uh, what just happened there, right? He goes into heaven right in front of them, and some angels come and kind of snap him out of it. And I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing through this. So <laughs> this isn't word for word. That's why you should have your Bibles. Um, so, so, they, uh, so they do as they were told, and they go um, back into the city of Jerusalem, and they wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Um, there are... At that time, about 120 people uh, who had been followers of Jesus up until that point. So the apostles go and gather up all their friends, fellow followers of Jesus, and uh, grab like a banquet room at a hotel. It's like an, they go to an inn and to an upper room. And uh, it had to have been a room big enough for 120 people to gather together. And um, they spend time, they unite together in prayer and wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And as promised... Guess what? The Holy Spirit comes. Uh, pick up the, the narrative in chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. And tongues, like flames of fire uh, that were divided, appeared to them, and rested on each one of them. Then they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different languages as the Spirit gave them ability for speech. There were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one of them heard speaking in his own language. And they were astounded and amazed, saying, Look, aren't these all speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear in our own native language? Okay, bear with me. I'm going to try to pronounce these. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those who live in Mesopotamia and in Judea, and in Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking the magnificent acts of God in our own languages. They were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, what could this be? Um, So, the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost. Um, 
I believe that's very significant. Uh, the day of Pentecost uh, is the 50th day of the Hebrew calendar, and it is the day where uh, the Jews celebrated the Feast of Weeks. So uh, the Jews celebrated seven different feasts of, of Yahweh throughout the calendar year, and, and this particular one um, is the Feast of Weeks, and it's where they gather together to celebrate their grain harvest. Um, and it's in Jerusalem, uh, which is kind of the, the, um, uh, the, the central place where, where Jews would come to, to celebrate uh, these feasts. And therefore, uh, people from all over, uh, all many different countries, uh, the Jews came to Jerusalem uh, in, in order uh, to celebrate uh, this feast. So uh, in order for uh, these guys to be able to uh, get out there and get this word out. Uh, Jesus gives them a little help here uh, with his timing and placement of where they're going to uh, receive this power uh, to begin uh, to testify to this. I kind of liken it to, um, if you, by today's standards, right, in America, if, you, if we didn't have social media and, and all that stuff, and you wanted to get the word out to a lot of people in the country, you'd probably go to a gathering where a lot of people are, uh, so that they can go back out into where they are from and uh, share what they had heard, much like Mardi Gras, right? People, uh, the experience is, is much different uh, celebrating Mardi Gras in New Orleans as opposed to the 16th Street Mall. So people uh, go from all over, all over the, the nation and world to go there. So similar type of, of gathering going on uh, so they can get the word out uh, to, um, to the world uh, from there. So that was a that was a help. Now, another uh, couple things that helped, the Holy Spirit came, uh, w- gave some power. Uh, one is, came with kind of a big uh, bang, right? So uh, everybody who was already there in Jerusalem, there was a ruckus, and they came out and gathered to see what was going on. And when they get there, uh, they hear these guys speaking in uh, their own native languages. So uh, two powers that came right there. The Holy Spirit um, gave the power uh, in language uh, for these guys to get this word out. And um, another thing that I believe uh, uh, the Holy Spirit kind of kind of gave and, and helped prompt in this was uh, some boldness and courage to share this message uh, in Jerusalem uh, to the Jews uh, who nailed Jesus to the cross like 50 days earlier. And uh, they nailed him to the cross because uh, he claimed to be the Messiah, and the message they're supposed to get out and share is uh, he was the Messiah, and you killed him. Uh, so that would take a little courage, I think. And so the Holy Spirit gave, uh, gave them some boldness, and um, I think uh, Peter was, was sparked and provoked a little bit into that. Uh, read with me. Pick it up in verse uh, 13, chapter 2. Uh, but some sneered and said, uh, they're full of new wine. So these people are, are hearing the miraculous uh, signs from God in their own native language uh, from Galileans who um, don't typically have a high level of education and can speak fluently other languages. And um, a couple of glasses of wine gave them the, the ability to speak fluently in, in foreign languages. That's ridiculous. So Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and proclaimed to them, 
Men of Judah, all you residents of Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and pay attention to my words. So he's, he's probably all fired up there. Uh, for these people are not drunk, as you suppose, uh, since it's only nine in the morning. On the contrary, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And then lists out what you're seeing now are things that have been prophesied about. Um, these people aren't drunk, right? You're experiencing a miracle. So, um, so, so Peter's emboldened there right, a little bit and um, goes on uh, to deliver the first ever Christian sermon to these people. Pick up with me in verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to these words. This Jesus, the Nazarene, was a man pointed out to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs uh, that God did among you through him, just as you yourselves know. So you saw these miracles, you know it. Uh, Though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you used lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. And God raised him up, and ending the pains of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. So you killed him, and God raised him up from the dead. You saw it, right? Uh, he didn't want them to miss what he just said, so he hammers it home again. Pick up on uh, verse 32. God has resurrected this Jesus we are all witnesses of this. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God, and, since, and he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit he has poured out, which you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord declared to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Now he goes again. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Uh, Peter didn't want him to miss the fact that they're the ones that killed him and that he really is the Lord Messiah. He proved it to them. And so when they hear this, uh, they come under deep conviction and Peter uh, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, uh, brothers, what must we do? And Peter gives them the good news. Uh, Repent, Peter said to them, and be baptized, each of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the, the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. This is forgiveness that is available to everybody, which is excellent news. Um, and with many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and on that day, about 3,000 people were added to them. The church is born. And that's the story of how the church uh, became, came into existence. And we still are reaping the benefits of that to this day. Now, when, you, when the gospel is, is preached and it's heard, it has an effect on your heart. It has an effect on every single person's heart every single time it's heard. Um, there's one, there's, there's one um, okay, so three things. 
if, if you come into hearing the gospel and you don't know the Lord and, and you're rejecting the Lord, um, you, you just you want to have nothing to do with him. You come in with a hardened heart. Um, you hear it and, and you decide that, uh, that you're, not, you're not having any of that still. Uh, that's not who I am. Your heart becomes more hardened. And that's a dangerous, very dangerous place uh, to be. Um, it, it's like, I'm, I'm trying to think of like how to explain this. So um, it's like claiming to be something over and over and over, and your pride gets in the way, and like you can't not be what you've said you've been. You paint yourself into a corner, and you're just hardened harder and harder. It's a bad place to be. The gospel has a softening effect uh, for the most for, for most uh, people who hear it. And um, uh, for those who don't know uh, Jesus as their Lord and Messiah and are seeking uh, him and want some answers for the truth, uh, their heart uh, becomes softened every time they hear the gospel. And eventually, uh, through seeking and hearing the gospel, um, their heart will be softened and they will come into eternal salvation uh, and accept Jesus as their Lord and Messiah, and for those of us who um, who are Christians, who have accepted uh, the gospel, the good news, accepted Jesus as our Lord and Messiah, um, our hearts become softened even more. And I and I I get my heart gets mushier every time I hear it over the years. And um, um, it, it what it does is it that that continued softening of your heart after through hearing the gospel. Um, calls you to continued repentance and continuing to seek uh, what he wants for you and uh, continuing to do the things uh, that he wants us to do, like to be his witnesses. And as you uh, repent and turn away from the things that you're doing, you become a better and better witness all the time. And so that's that's my thoughts on that. Um, so... <laughs> So the new Christians um, come to faith in Jesus after coming to realize that he is who he said he was. And what did they do next? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. So they did several things there, devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. We're doing that right now. we're continuing on that tra- tradition uh, of what these these first uh, Christians did in, in devoting ourselves uh, to the teaching of God's word um, by being here. And uh, there's a fellowship component to that. So we're, we're, we're doing life together here on Sunday morning, which is really cool. Um, and then to the fellowship, and we're getting a little bit more into um, that intentional of living together and continuing to do to do life together. And um, we lived out here uh, with our community groups amongst uh, other things. But the community groups are, are the biggest, uh, most intentional uh, thing that we do for that. And to the breaking of bread, sometimes in our groups we'll have some, you know, pizza and snacks and stuff like that. We also will, uh, here on Sundays, the first uh, Sunday of the month, do um, communion. And so there's another form of uh, breaking of bread in worship and uh, to prayer. And so we can pray uh, individually uh, by ourselves in our quiet time, which has got great power, and, and it's really great. It's a great practice to do, and uh, praying together in, in unity is is a is just another more enriching way uh, to to pray and to worship 
the Lord. So we see uh, that there are uh, multiple things that these uh, first Christians did uh, naturally. They weren't given a lot of instruction. This kind of came right after that. And uh, so I think we're kind of drawn to and called to to do some of that. And um, I encourage I encourage you, um, it's Community Group Connection Sunday, so I'm going to do a little, little bit of a sales pitch on this, all right? Come from sales, so I'm going to do that. But it's, I'm doing it not because it benefits me, because it benefits you and it will enrich um, your spiritual journey. Uh, and you'll be able to live out the full um, goodness of what it is to be a part of the church. You know, if you're just kind of doing, um, if, you, if you're coming on Sunday, Sunday morning and, and that's about it, and you, you know, kind of check in once a week, that's great. And I encourage you to continue to, to do that. Uh, but you're, you're just not, you're not getting all that it could be. It's like um, being super thirsty and grabbing a Coke and, and drinking it, but it's like warm, right? And that's not like, it's not the full goodness of that experience. Like having some ice cubes and a nice cold Coke is, is a lot better. Now that's a little bit reducing <laughs> what I'm talking about here, but, but I, I want you to get the best um, and fullest from, from your faith that you can do. Um, I, so I'm director of adult ministries here and um, am extremely blessed to be able to uh, work here full time as my job and career. And, um, and I oversee um, the community group's ministry, which has really meant a lot um, in, in my life. Um, it's, it's enriched my faith. Um, I've been able to have the privilege of, of, uh, of experiencing other people's exponential growth in their faith, like, like Barry um, and, uh, and Beth Ann, who's been a part of one of my groups as well, and she's going to Estonia as well. And look how that works together. You got, <clears throat> you got a, a, a guy like Barry that, that comes to church. He devotes himself to the, to the teaching. Um, he responds and then engages in the fellowship and uh, that fellowship leads him to encouragement <clears throat> to go on his first missions trip to Estonia. And then, and then he was off on in, in running because like three months later, he was back out there again, scheduled his own trip. So obviously it was a, it was a strong calling uh, from God there. And four, four years later, uh, he's, he's heading out there full time, hopefully by June. So um, that all works together because what's he going to be doing in Estonia? He's going to be his witness to the ends of the earth, right? 2% reached for the gospel in Estonia, I believe. And I'm sure Barry can talk a lot more about that with you um, at, at, at the end of service here at the back of the room. So very cool in, enriching. Uh, I've also been able to get some, some, um, some feedback and stories of how uh, community groups and Christian fellowship has impacted uh, the lives of people here. I was able to, uh, I, I had a conversation with um, a lady that is involved in uh, and has been committed to involved in, in a community group here uh, for, for years. And um, how this Christian fellowship has, has had an impact on the people in this group is incredible to me. We talk about um, having a ministry of, of being able to help and strengthen and enrich people in their marriages. Um, she shared with me, uh, the fact that they've built such great uh, relationship in their group uh, that 
they have not only the comfort level and, and the space uh, relationally to go to each other, maybe when they're struggling or having an argument with their spouse, which never happens, right? That, that doesn't happen. Gosh, that's not funny. Okay. But that was funny. Um, but the, the, um, but the response um, that they have is to uh, edify and to help uh, each other uh, to, to repair uh, their relationships with their spouse instead of kind of piling on and being like, yeah, he's a jerk and my husband's a jerk too and all that stuff. Um, <laughs> instead of that, it's like, hey, what's your piece in this and how can you get back into a, a repair relationship? Um, and for those of us who, um, for, for those here who aren't married, um, you know, one cool thing is, uh, you, you get a, a place where you get to check in every week and have, uh, build strong, healthy, uh, Christian relationships. So when you're out there in the world, you're not, you're not alone and, um, you can live your faith together with people and who knows, maybe the Lord will bring you your spouse in one of those groups like you did with me, my wife. Every time. 